just to warn you, you know, we have children's church because sometimes we talk about things in here that children probably don't need to hear. So today's probably PG-13, if that's okay, just to warn you. And uh, we're going to dive in the Word of God and just see what His Word says. How many of you know it's time to really, um, with all the craziness going on in the world, we have to lean on the Word of God. We have to stand on the Word of God. We can't stand on what other people say. We can't, uh, we can't rely on uh, the media to tell us the truth or the uh, Internet to tell us. We have to stand on the Word of God. There's tons of voices out there. But how many of you know there's only one voice that counts? And that voice we want to tune into today and really just um, enter in. I'm going to start today in Matthew 13, Matthew 13, 31 through 32. It says this, here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make its branches, make its nest in its branches. How many of you know that a seed takes a while to produce? The Bible says that the kingdom of God, it starts small. It's like a seed. It's very small. But one day, it's going to become big. One day, it's going to become like an oak. How many of you know that takes a while for that seed to be planted in the ground, to be able to germate, to be able to start to get roots out into the ground and grow? You're not going to just throw a seed in the ground and see an oak tree next week, right? A seed takes some time. Look at your neighbor and say, it takes some time. You know, the kingdom of God is it's not like Burger King, have it your way. It's not. The kingdom of God really requires sometimes patience. We hate that word. We hate that word, patience. Um, you know, getting what you want to get now, if it's outside of God's timing, um, it can abort what God really has for you in the future. If you're just trying to get what you can get now, outside of God's timing, it can abort what God really has for you in the future. And God wants to start small. He is not intimidated by small. He is not intimidated by small beginnings. He is more concerned about taking care of what is small than getting what is big. Am I right about it? And God wants us to have faith In the seed that he puts in us, the Bible says that the seed represents the word of God and we are the field. And we have to be sure that, you know, sometimes you're going to believe for things and God's going to work your patience. Sometimes you're going to believe for things and God's going to say, do you trust me? It's a seed. It's a seed in the ground. How many of you have some seeds in the ground that you're waiting to come up? How many of you know hope is knowing that those seeds are beginning to produce fruit. How many of you believe that your seeds are producing fruit? Let's look at Romans 12:2. It says, "Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Don't be custom to the world. Don't be custom to the world. How many of you know that you're either changing culture our culture is changing you. You can't be changed by culture and expect to make a change. Am I right about it? And it is true 
that there is a spirit of the age, there is a culture that we live in. We live in this world, but we're not supposed to be of this world. And there's secrets to be living in this world and not of this world. We work in a certain environment. We live in a certain environment. We live in this world. Jesus died for this world, but the Bible says to not be of this world. And God wants to make sure that we don't have the world in us. Am I right about it? God wants to make sure that although we live in this world, that the world and the culture of the world is not transforming us, but we're transforming our mind to go against the culture. Am I right about it? Now, when we look at the world, you might say, okay, what's the world really? What is the world? Well, it tells us in the Bible in 1 John 2.15, it says, Do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, let's look at this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. I'm going to title this message today, A Now Culture, A Now Culture a now culture. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is transforming us. Come on, lift your hands if you feel comfortable. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you're beginning to uh, change the way that we think. We thank you for your blood. We thank you that we're able to be transformed in your presence, God. We're hungry for your word. We put aside all distractions, Lord. We put aside all arguments, God. And we say, Lord, we put ourselves under your word. Change us, in the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody says, amen, amen. How many of you remember old school computers? Old school? I have a picture of an old school computer. You remember this guy? That is, that's how the computer started out. Do you remember trying to get on the internet on that guy? It would start to make a little dial noise. You know, you have to go fix some Raymond noodles or something and come back, and then finally you'll be able to see what's on the computer. It took a long time to boot up. Am I right about it? Y'all remember these phones? These phones, look, let's look at the rotary phone. Remember that? It took you like half of your life to dial a number. <laughs> you know, you, it, it took some time. It took some time. Now, now you can just say, Siri, call Leah, and it'll just call automatically. But this phone wasn't, it's not that old. It looks ancient. But it's not that old. I remember, uh, I think my grandma had one, and we would, have to, we would have to do the rotary phone, but it took time. Things took time. Y'all remember this place? Let's look at this place. Y'all remember that place? Oh, man. I mean, it was an outing going to Blockbuster. It wasn't like you were just going to find anything to watch. It was like, well, we got to get up. We got to make a plan. We got to go to Blockbuster. How many of you remember those Blockbuster cards? How many of you know that they made their money on late fees with people like me? You get to the counter, and you're like, I'm ready to pay for this $10 movie. And they're like, you owe $400. And you're like, that was for one movie. They're like, you owe $400. I'll, I'll see you next week. You know, the, the blockbuster, it was like you had, to, you had to go out your way to go see a movie. Today, you got Amazon Prime. Today, you got Netflix. Everything is at your fingertips. I mean, if you're in the city, you don't have to run down a cab. You just pull up an app on Uber, and people are following, finding you. 
And if they don't find you in five minutes, you're aggravated. That's the culture we live in. Am I right about it? We live in a culture of now because of technology and where we've gone. And, and that could be very beneficial to us, but it can also harm us a lot. It could be very good. It can have good influences on us, but it can also really tear some things apart. It can be very dangerous. I mean, the culture of now, I want it now. I need it now. I want to have this now. We are so used to getting everything we want now that when God says, I don't want you to have it now, then we freak out. We don't know how to behave because we live in a culture of now. I'm going to find this right now. I want to look this up. Y'all remember libraries? You actually had to go to a library and get, and listen, there were, there were books there you had to find. You would have to get a book out and find, if you had some kind of report, you had to look it up in a book. Am I right about it? Listen, it's not like that anymore. Google it. You can find everything you want on Google. Just Google it and you'll find tons of information. You can write an essay paper from just Google. Because we're used to getting things like, I got it. I got it. Listen, I, Leah has an old, older computer, a Mac computer, and that thing, you, you know the hourglass thing or the thing that turns and says it's taking time? I mean, I realized how spoiled I was because that thing was taking like five seconds, and I was like, this thing is ridiculous. We got to get a new computer. Why? Because I, you're used to putting your phone up, and boom, it's, it's popping up right there. It's there automatically. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And really... The Bible gives us a clear blueprint of what this world is like, and the world is not like the kingdom. The kingdom is different than the world, and when you give your life to God, you have to line yourself up to the kingdom even though you live in the world. And sometimes we can forget how to operate in the kingdom because we're so used to getting it all right now. Am I right about it? Now, I want to give you three things to overcome in a now culture. Three things to overcome in a now culture. Here's number one. Number one is the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. Now, this can mean a lot of things. This can mean, uh, it could be a very broad subject, but can we just talk for a second about sexual lust? Because it is something that we try to avoid talking about, but it, it is rampant in our nation, it is rampant in our culture, and it's affecting us. It's affecting us. I, the other day, uh, my kids, you know, they're 10 and 8 years old, and they're asking questions like, so, okay, how come we look like you and daddy? How come we look like both of y'all? And it's like stumping you, like, uh, I think it's time to to have the conversation. They started asking Leah tons of questions. I was on the road, and she, like, said, hold on, i got to use the bathroom. She ran to the bathroom, and she called me. She said, they were asking me all kinds of questions about the birds and the bees. How far away are you? I was like, I'm, I'm about 30 minutes out. I need you here now. So I'm driving like a race car driver home, and I get there, and I'm trying to act cool about it. But how many of you know if we don't teach our kids what sex is, they're going to learn about it? They're going to learn about it on Instagram. They're going to learn about it with their friends. They're going to learn about it on Facebook. We're living in a new age today. Instead of like Bobby liking Susie, they're coming back and said, did you know Bobby likes uh, Seth? I'm like, Bobby needs an encounter. <laughs> we live in a new day. This is young kids. And we can't solve a problem by ignoring it. 
We can't solve a problem by saying we're going to tiptoe around what God actually made. God's the one that created it. Why are we weird about the subject? The enemy comes to pervert it, but God created it. It's good. I have three kids, I know. It's good, it's a good thing. Come on, somebody. In marriage, look, you want, want to know the heart of God? Go to Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, and they say, this is how we're going to do this whole thing. Man and a woman, they're going to become one flesh. They're going to become one. See, but this culture, this culture is inundated by so many sexual things that we can get numb to what God really created it to be. How many of you know we need to talk to our parents uh, at, uh, if we're children? you got to talk to your parents. Ch- parents have to look at their children and say, listen, this is, this is the process of things. You say, well, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of things we have to do as Christians that are uncomfortable. Did you know that only 3% of the population in the world, 3, 3% of the population in the world wait to have sex until they're married? 3 Think about that now. 3%. Now, how many of you know that the church has some work to do? Because the enemy's, his plan is to get us to get in the culture instead of us changing the culture. And it is so true, you know, um, you know, you, I, I've met with young people that, that are on these apps. Can we just go there today? I've met with young people that are on these apps, apps like Tinder. You just get on there, and you just hook up. That's what it's for. It's not dating. It's not talking to each other. It's to meet at a certain place and hook up. And they have all this access on their phone. How many of you know that we are stupid parents for just giving them a phone all day and all night? Come on, somebody. I'm guilty of it. They're like, I want YouTube kids. I'm like, here you go. Just be quiet. I'm all right. But they've got the whole world at their fingertips. And you think it's all right. You think, oh, they won't have any temptations. Do you have temptations? If you have temptations, then why do you think your children won't have temptations? Come on. And we live in a culture where if you, it's, it's not I got to go out and meet somebody, have somewhat of a personality, and get to know somebody to date them. It's like, no, I'm going to swipe right, and we're going to hook up right now. Over 55% of people in New York City is on these apps. And how many of you know that it affects culture? You might say, well, this really doesn't apply to me. No, it does apply to you because we have, we have a great responsibility to stand for righteousness. We have a great responsibility to stand for marriage. Now, listen, if you have um, tendencies that it's, uh, homosexual tendencies. We're not trying to throw rocks at you, but you, as Christians, we can't go in the culture and say we just don't want to be offensive. We got to say this is what God says because He loves you. This is what God says because He cares about you. See, you say this on a college campus and you're a bigot now. But today we have to, as Christians, well, we got to be sensitive. Yeah, we got to be sensitive. We got to love, but we have a responsibility to tell the truth. If they don't know, if they, they don't live for the gospel because they don't know, and they're not going to know unless you tell them the truth. God loves us so much that he gives us a blueprint to live by. 
And how many of you know he's not trying to keep you from things? He's trying to keep you safe. Am I right about it? They say people that are on these apps, people that are, you know, participating, not just single people, married people as well. There's a problem that in America, one-third of marriages are um, an infidelity. One-third. One-third. Let that sink in for a second. Now, don't, I'm not saying it to make you suspicious or worried or anything like that. Like, oh, God. No, we got to know that there's an attack on our families and our children, and we have to get the secrets to begin to stand to be in the culture but not of the culture. Am I right about it? They say that people that are on these apps and doing these things, they find themselves extremely lonely, number one. Extremely lonely. And in the future, they can hardly get into any kind of committed relationship, period. And number three, they, they cannot, and it's a very difficult thing for them to stay faithful. This is an attack on the marriage at sea, because God intended for marriage to change the world. And we get, you know, well, if you love somebody, you know, you, you just go for it and you just do it. It's not, it's not wrong. Says who? Says who? How many of you know that we got to live by God's standards because God's standards brings us in protection? Let's listen. You know, God, he talks about it. Can we read about it for a second? God talks about it. He's clear. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, 16. It's in the message. It says, there's more to sex than mere skin to skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical act. As written in scripture, the two become one. And since we are to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely. Listen to what the Bible says. Statistics show that it's true. Leaving us more lonely than ever. This kind of sex is that kind of being one. How many of you know that God intended for this to be a spiritual thing and a physical thing with one man and one woman that have made a commitment to stay with each other for the rest of their life? Am I right? See, because marriages have to be careful. Am I right? Marriages have to be careful. Look, don't have your phone on lock. Your phone should be open. Now, that's just a personal thing. If, you're, if your spouse comes to look at your phone and it's on lock and you get mad at them for looking at your phone, something's not right. We got to be open. We got to say, my life is an open book. If I'm dealing with stuff, my wife needs to know it. I love Roosevelt. Y'all remember Roosevelt? They used to come here. He passed away, but he was so real. He was such a real guy. He would be on the road, and if he was struggling, he'd call his wife. All of a sudden, I'm struggling right now. You need to pray for me. Because a marriage should be together, and we should be an open book with each other. But if we avoid conversations and we avoid talking about things, we will find ourselves drift further and further apart. You shouldn't feel lonely when you're in a marriage. And we have such a connectivity with the world today that it's dangerous. You get on Facebook and an old high school friend gets in touch with you. Oh, how you doing? You just need to change their name to Satan whenever they call. Just say, that's Satan calling right there. Am I right about it? How you doing? Why are you worrying about how I'm doing? But we get used to it. You know, we, a private message and this and that, a picture or this and that. This is the world we're living in. 
And we would rather go to church and not talk about it, but at the same time, it's killing us. It's killing us. And we have to know what is able, how do I cut this out? Because it is a, it's an epidemic. People are addicted. There are marriages that are addicted. There are husbands that are addicted. There's addiction that goes along with this. And there's this, they say that this addiction, it's, it triggers dopamine and it's more, stronger than heroin. Y'all getting quiet, y'all all right? But we have to know with our young people, we have to give good examples. And we have to stay together in our marriages and make things a priority and talk about things. Am I right about it? Now, I want us to read something. Because how many of you know that Samson, Samson was a guy that he couldn't wait. He needed a girl right now. He needed the girl, the, the girl that he wanted. And his parents were like, I don't think that's the one. For, of God for you. And it's like, no, give me her. She looks good. I want her now. It's a now culture. Guess what happened to Samson? Samson lost all his power. Samson lost all his vision. And Samson lost his purpose. You think, oh, it's just sex. No, it's not. It's an attack on the enemy because that person's spirit connects with you and it can trip you up. And it will trip you up. Paul even goes on to say that sexual sin is unlike any other sin, that is something, there's something like no other because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, this is how the enemy works. It's like you've heard the analogy, the frog in the bowling pot of water. It's slowly, the culture slowly, you slowly see things on your phone and you slowly interact and you slowly do things until it's part of the culture and you're numb and then the enemy's got you. The enemy's got you. How many of you know that we have to do something drastic to begin to come into a place where we're not getting into this part of the world? Let's look at what Solomon said. He knew about it. Proverbs, are y'all okay today? Proverbs 5, 7 says, So now, my sons or daughters, listen to me. Never stray. Never stray from what I'm about to say. Stay away from her or the adulterous woman. Do not go down to her house. If you do, you will lose all your honor. All your honor. How many of you know sometimes we need to know the, the repercussions of the actions that we part, partake in? Number one, you'll lose all your honor and will lose, um, you will lose to merciless people all that you have achieved. Wow. Strangers will consume your wealth. No thank you. And someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. That stinks. In the end, you will groan in anguish. When disease consumes your body, when you, you'll say, how I hated discipline. If only I have not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why, did, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I have come to the brink of utter ruin. And now I must face public disgrace. How many of you know that it's not worth breaking that covenant? It's not worth breaking that covenant. How do you get rid of this? You get rid of this lust of the eyes by the love of God. What did Jesus do? 
There was a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. They drug her out of the house, and these men begin to stone her or try to stone her. And Jesus stood in front and said, those of you that have not sinned, you cast the first stone. Nobody could cast the stone. And what did Jesus do? He looked with her in eyes of love. Someone caught in the very act. How many of you know that is embarrassing? By the Messiah. Did he say, you know what, I'm going to throw stones at you? No, he said, he said who, who here is here to condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. He said, go and sin no more. This lady was one of the greatest disciples that ever walked the face of the earth. Why? Because she understood the only way that this lust can come out is if the love of God comes in. The only way that you can resist the lust of the eyes is if you accept the love of the Father. Because we all have a tendency, we all have a a hole in our heart that only God can fill. And listen, you know, Paul said, I don't put confidence in my flesh. The problem is we have so much confidence in ourselves, we set ourselves up for attack. And listen, I'm not here to give a whole bunch of rules, but get real. Get real with your wife. Get real with your husband and say, you know what? These are things that I don't want in our house. These are things, these are roadblocks that we're going to put up. And listen, if you have dealt with these kind of things, listen, it's very easy. Just begin to repent and accept the love of God in your life. He can turn it around. Am I right about it? Got quiet in here. Number two. I got 30 more minutes. Number two, lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh. What is lust of the flesh? A lot of times the lust of the flesh is just too much of a good thing. Am I right about it? The lust of the flesh is wanting something right now that really doesn't belong to you. You, Sometimes you want to make the blessing happen. Remember Abraham? God gave Abraham a promise. What was the promise? He said, I'm going to make you a, I'm going to make you somebody that's a father of multitudes. But what did he say? What did he say? Abraham began to get old and he said, I don't see the promise coming. I'm going to have, I'm going to have to put this in my own hands. Am I right about it? And Abraham, his wife, they conjured up a plan that Abraham was going to sleep with one of the servants to hurry up this process. How many of you know that was not in God's plan? And what happened? Then his name was Ishmael, and Ishmael caused more problems than anything. And a lot of times, we want the blessing or we want the promises for God, and we, we start to come into shortcuts to get it. For example, for example, you know, it's very... Uh, it's very, it's very apparent that one of the temptations of man is to get things that they can't afford. One person agrees with me. A credit card. Swiping the credit card. Lust of the flesh. A house that I can't afford. A boat that I can't afford. A car that I can't afford. Let me get it now, and hopefully God will bless me later. He doesn't work like that. God is saying, hey, why don't you wait until you have the money until you get it? Because this is what the Bible says. Are y'all okay? Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. 
You know, I've seen people get in such a bind, they want to do anything. You got Christians up in the casino gambling. Maybe I can, maybe I can make $1,000. Maybe I can make $2,000. Maybe I can make that payment. Come on, somebody. And it begins to get this thing of, let me find out a quick fix for my big problem. And God's saying, no, 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 we don't want to do any shortcuts here. Begin to get disciplined with your finances. How many of you know if, if you don't have the funds to get it, then begin to come into faith that God will give you the discipline to save to be able to get it. That vacation you shouldn't have gone on. That car that you bought. How many of you know when you go buy a car, they show you like the finest. They show you an okay car, then they show you a fine, fine car. You're like, I need that one with wood grain and the one with automatic everything. You know what I mean? They, 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 they get you. They got you. Why? Because our flesh says, I want that now. Let me just swipe the card. See, these are, these are hasty decisions that get us in trouble. And then when we begin to have trouble in our family, we begin to have strife. We begin to ask God why. And God's like, hey, I need you to have some discipline when it comes to your flesh. I've heard it said, uh, most people have a master card. You have to ask, who's the master, the card or you? Who's the master? Are you the master or the card the master? You know, it feels good when you have a big group of people, you got 10 people, and you're like, oh, I'll cover it. I'll cover everything. And you swipe it on the card knowing that you didn't have that cash in the bank and you got to pay for it later. Am I right about it? We say, well, this, you know, why are we talking about this? Because it's ruining marriages. They say, they say the three major things that ruin marriage. Number one, sex life. Number two, that's not good. Number two, finances. And number three, communication. How many of you know that Christians should have the best marriages? And we should raise up our young people on how to be disciplined and how to give. Come on, if you want a blessing in your finances, whenever you get, say, this portion belongs to God. And God will begin to give you the discipline to receive what he has for you. I can really tell that the Holy Spirit is pointing things out even right now where you're saying, I got to get rid of this. I got to get rid of that. You know, the Bible says, hey, if you're in debt, go ahead and, and release yourself as quick, as quick as you can. I remember when I was little. Remember when you were little? And you saw the person with, like, the huge, huge mansion. You know, the mansion and, like, the, the finest cars ever and the, all the things. I used to go to my dad and say, man, those people are rich. And it was always, he would always tell me this, son, you're never rich when you're in debt. Because those that are in debt will eventually be the slave of the giver. See, it's an epidemic. Americans find themselves in debt more than anybody else in the world. Why? Because we're in a culture of, I know I can't afford it, but I want it now. I know I don't need it, but I want it now. How about we come into faith and say, God, show me the discipline of how to take the step. Listen, there are so many things I want to do. There are so many things that I see and I'm like, man, I want this now. And God's saying, no, it's not the time. I want to see some things in your life first. Come on, somebody. I believe there's going to be some marriages that are going to be restored from this message right here. Some of you have been holding things in for such a long time. You know, it feels good when you feel sick and just throw something up. You've been in the place where you're like, I need to throw up, and you, you're miserable because you keep it in because you just don't want to throw up. How many of you know during the throw-up session, it sucks? 
But after, you feel so much better. And let me tell you today, there's some of you that's been holding things in for way too long and it's hindering your walk with God, it's hindering your marriage, it's hindering your relationships. And God's saying, we got to throw this thing up, man. The great thing about God is even when you fail, he doesn't give up on you. There is no failures with God. There's just learning. And God is a God that is able to redeem you and turn it all around. But you got to give it to him. Number three, I can get somebody to come and play. Number three, the pride of life. The pride of life. The pride of life. See, the pride of life says this. I'm going to jump in making a big decision without even asking God about it. Remember what the enemy told Jesus? He said, go ahead and jump off this highest part of the temple. Listen, the angels, they will protect you. It was in the Bible. The enemy used the Bible for Jesus and said, listen, you just jump off the highest part of the temple. And God, he'll take care of it. His angels will be around you and swoop you up. And that's how we are as Christians sometimes. I'm going to go ahead and make a decision, a big life-changing decision before I ever consult with God and before I ever consult with somebody else. And then when God doesn't back it, we get mad at God. Y'all are kind of quiet today. Last week was an encouraging message. This week we're going there, okay? You say, God, where are you? And he's like, well, I had a plan. I have a plan for you. But the enemy's saying, jump off, do what you want. You know, that's how the enemy gets in, in, you know what, go take this job. Just be hasty. Be, you know, do something in a quick manner. How many of you know that Proverbs says, those that make hasty decisions, they come to ruin? And if you find your, the pride of like, I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I don't need God telling me what to do. I'm going to make my own decisions. Well, you'll find yourself in a broken state, even if you're making all the money in the world, even if you feel like you're doing what you need to be doing, you'll find yourself in a broken state. Why? Because God has the ultimate plan for your life, and the ultimate plan is good. Am I right about it? Well, you know what? I, I feel uneasy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hasten. I'm just going to go to another church. Okay. Okay. Though I, I've seen it, and, and, and people find themselves, themselves miserable at the place they go, because they just want to, they want to, they need a knee-jerk reaction to things. And they, they just feel like they need to make a move. How many of you know that God is not into hasty decisions? I remember one time I went to, I went to this, uh, we were building our house, it was, we were repairing our house, and it was like this club, right, where you get all these materials for like really cheap, and like all your furniture and all these things, and I'm like, man, this thing seems awesome. You get all these discounts, and we get there, we get there, and they say, listen, you can enter this club, and you get all these discounts, and everything in this, you know, library you can have, and we're thinking, we're dreaming, we're like, this is for us, and they say, the only problem is, it's $5,000 right now. $5,000 right, yeah, it's worth the investment, you're going to make it back, $5,000 right now, but you have to do it right now. If you leave, you can't come back. I was probably about, what, 24, 25. I was like, all right, we're going to commit to it because I know we're going to do this. It was the worst decision ever. You know what? You have to practice saying this. Let me sleep on it. Let me sleep on it. Let me go get some counsel. Y'all okay today? We can't just make all these crazy decisions and 
be like, God, why aren't you blessing me? First, ask God, do you really have peace about it? Do you really feel the Holy Spirit about it? Because if you don't, don't do it. Even if it seems good. That promotion that seems good, God knows if it's for you or not. It might keep you away from church and your family. And what is it to gain the whole world and lose your very soul? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Let's look at Proverbs 3, 6 through 10. In all your ways acknowledge him. Say all. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be to your flesh and strength. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. How many of you want that? I love Moses because he was one of the greatest leaders on the face of the earth. But I love what he says. I love what he says in Exodus 33:15. And we need to have this same thing with us. Exodus 33:15. Then Moses said, talking to God, "If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place." This needs to sink down into our hearts. If you don't go with me, God, I don't want to go. Remember David at Ziglag? It was a place that he was living at, and they stole his family. I would think, well, the right thing to do would just right then, the enemy stole my family. Let me go right now. David stopped and said, God, what do you want me to do? What? David, get on your horse and go after him like Braveheart. And he said, no, no, no. First, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to hear God's voice. God, dude, are you going with me or no? Because I don't need to make a decision, a life-changing decision, and you're not there. As Christians, we got, we got to stop making decisions where God is not in. And the great thing is that he's able to just teach us. The other thing about Moses, he's this leader leading millions of people, and his father-in-law comes up to him and says, Moses, this, this, the way you're leading is going to wear you out going to wear you out. You, here's a suggestion. Get 12 people that are able to handle things for you. You know, what, you know what Moses said? Did he say, I'm the leader. I'm the one that God called and appointed and anointed. And who are you to tell me? You're the, you're the father-in-law. What do you say? No. He understood that there is wisdom in the multitude of counselors. And he took the advice of somebody that was not even in leadership. Are y'all hearing me today? Quit making decisions. Young people, you're saying, I'm going to this school, that school. That might be an awesome school. Pray about it first. Talk to your parents about it. Get some counsel about it. Well, I'm going to jump into this relationship. Listen, you don't want to be 10 years down the road, missing teeth in a trailer park, pregnant, Because you decided, because you decided to get into a relationship that was not God. Broke and in jail. And you say, I'm far away from that. Nobody is better than that. If you make a wrong turn, it can happen to you. But when you're young, you think, I'm invincible. 
Nothing's going to happen to me. No, listen. Begin to listen to the voice of God because you want to be at a place where God is. I want, I want this. I know what you want. I know what you want. But is it what God wants? Well, you know what? Uh, I believe that God just gives you the desires of your heart, so what you really want is what God's want. No, you're kind of twisting Scripture there. Say, God, is, is this really you? Go to people that love you, that have good fruit in their life. Don't go to your friends that has already been in like 20 relationships and about to go into another one and ruin their reputation. Don't go to them and say, what should I do? Because they're going to tell you the wrong thing to do. Go to somebody that has a good marriage. Go to somebody, if you have a financial situation, go to somebody that is good in finances. You're not going to go to the gym and get a coach that's out of shape. I don't want that coach. Show me somebody who's in shape. You tell me what to do, dadgummit. I don't want, I can't, I can't stand the, you know, I'm a trainer. And you're like, you probably should get trained first. Find somebody in your life that's got the fruit. There's wisdom in the multitude of counselors. Now, I want this, if you're dealing with any one of these things, I want this to break off your life today. Today. Aorta. Today. Right now. In this now culture, God can right now break the world off of you. I love that song. God, it says, take the world and give me you. Take the world and give, you, give me you. We can get so trapped up. We can feel like a hypocrite at times. And God is saying, listen, I'm just bringing you to a place of misery so that you can just give it to me. You keep beating yourself up about it and God's saying, you just need to give it to me. What does he say to do? What does he say to do? And we can all stand up to read this. Just stand up right where you are. <clears throat> Romans 12, 2. Let's look at it. We're going to read this again. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God. Number one, let God. Come on, raise your hand. Number one, let God. What does that mean? Submit to God. Number one, let God. Now, what's the first thing you got to do? Submit. You ever had to submit a paper before? Young people, submit a paper. What are you doing? You're saying, this is my work. Do you approve? They're going to say, this was wrong. This was wrong. This has got to get fixed. This got With your life, there is a way that seems right to a man. But with God, it's ruin. So that's when we say, God, I feel like I'm doing the right thing, but I submit to you. Because I know in the end I'm going to get blessed when you tell me what to do. So I submit all my failures. I submit all of my work. Maybe it's something that you want me to change. That's, that's the first step. If you're still like, man, I don't, I don't want to hear God's advice. you got a long road ahead of you. Number one, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Number two is you repent. When God says, you know what, this, this, this in your life, you got to get rid of that. You got to get rid of that. That thing on your phone, you got to get rid of that. That thing 
or that, that you've been doing, you got that relationship you've been dabbling in that you think is just innocent fun, you got to get rid of that. See that right there? I'm not doing it because I hate you and I know you like it, but you got to get rid of that because it can bring you into ruin. You got to get rid of that. And Samson, Samson had all kinds of caution lights, but he didn't listen. And one day he thought he could shake himself and get out of it, and he couldn't anymore. Why? Because he kept ignoring the voice of God. What is God showing you? If that thing costs too much, find out how to get out of it. If that thing, if you're in credit card debt, listen, find out how to get out. Get to somebody and say, how do I, find some Dave Ramsey CD. How can I get out? Don't just live with it. Don't just let yourself get beat up by it. Say, how can I make the small steps in discipline to get free? I know Todd has a testimony. Todd has a testimony of he was in debt. They couldn't pay for anything, and he started small steps. It took years for him to get good credit again, but he got it. But he didn't say, God, just take this away from me. That's what we like to do as Christians. God, drop a big chunk of money in my lap. God doesn't do that. God works on us. God works on us so that we can make the steps of being prosperous. What area in your life is just God saying you got to get rid of that? Second thing is repent. See, repent is not saying I'm sorry. Repent is saying i got to change the way I think. Number one, submit to God. God, evaluate my life. I belong to you. This belongs to you. Number one, tell me, tell me, tell me. And that thing that keeps popping up in your head, that's it. No, not that, God. That's the devil. I want to keep that. I like that. No, no, no. Put it aside. Acknowledge God. And listen to what he says. He says this. Then you will learn, say learn, to know God's will for you. See, don't just submit to God and say, I'm sorry, I'm going to try. You got to learn something. You got to learn something. Because if you don't learn anything, you're just going to go back to it. God, I'm sorry again. God, I'm sorry. Sorry again, God. I'm sorry again. And God's saying, hey, will you listen to my instruction? Because it's not just repenting. Maybe he wants you to do something. Maybe he wants you to put the phone up. Maybe he wants you to get out of this relationship in this way and learn how to get out. Y'all okay? And I believe today, I believe today when you say, God, here I am. I repent, I turn away, and I ask for your love to cast out all the world. Can we do that together today as Christians, as a church, to say that I don't want the things in the world? Because what does the the world do? The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I see people so many times, they make their own decisions, and they start living in hell, and they wonder where God is. The enemy wants to steal kill and destroy that's we give him access when we allow the things of the world in our life because we start feeling the consequences of our own decisions are y'all with me right where you are if you say you know what i want all the world out and i want all of god in just kind of lift your hands right where you are i want all the world out and i want all of god in right now Right where you are, say, God, examine me. 
I am yours. I belong to you. My body is the temple of your Holy Spirit. Show me what does not belong. Come on, and when he begins to show you those things, it might just be a thought. It might just be a picture. I want you right where you are to begin to say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. Come on, underneath your breath, God, I'm sorry. And say what you're specifically sorry for. He wants a relationship with you. If you've grieved him, say, God, I'm sorry for idolatry. I'm sorry for that immorality. I'm sorry for that decision and being hasty and in the pride of life. I'm sorry for not getting your counsel. I'm sorry for doing my own thing. God, change the way that I think. Say this with me. Say, by the blood of Jesus, change the way that I think. Begin to give me instruction so that I can learn. Come on, keep your hands lifted. God wants to speak into your ear, and he wants to speak to you all week. He's saying, are you willing to learn? Are you willing to lay that thing down and learn how to get rid of it? Lord, right now, I seal what you're doing in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for every marriage in here. Lord, I pray for restoration in every marriage in here. I pray that you're restoring their marriage, God. That you're causing them to communicate. That you're causing them to connect, God. That you are showing them how to live in this world and be an example to a family. Lord, I seal with your blood, Lord, all that the Holy Spirit is speaking right now. And I thank you that this is a week of freedom. I thank you that this is a week of freedom. The chains that held us down before, Lord, I thank you for freedom in the mighty name of Jesus. Those arguments that held us down before that made us depressed, I pray for freedom, for who the sun sets free is free indeed. You know, the Bible says to confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. If there's something that you can't break off your life, you need to tell somebody. Go and tell somebody. Somebody you can trust and say, listen, I've been dealing with this. There's something in your heart that's not healed. You say, but it's embarrassing. But Jesus stripped down naked on a cross And embarrassed himself so that we can be free. The least we can do is open up and say, you know what? This is the thing that's going on in my life. Get connected with somebody you can talk to. Come on. The last thing, lift your hands. Lord, I pray for every single person here. I pray for every single young person. I pray for revival at Southeastern. I pray for revival at Hammond High School and Ponchatoula High School and Albany and Springfield and Independence, all the surrounding areas. I thank you, Lord, that you're raising up a generation, Lord, that is not of this culture, but they're of your kingdom, God. I thank you that you're protecting our children, Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus over our children, and I thank you you for a new generation. Now, God, let the older generation stand firm, God. Let the older generation be marked by faith, God. Let the older generation be marked by honor, God. Let the older generation be marked by holiness, Lord. Let the older generation be marked by faith, God, so that we can pass on the work that you've done in us in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe it, give God a hand. If you believe it, give God a shout. Come on, he brings freedom. We thank you for freedom, God. We love you, Lord. Come on, hug your neighbor, and we'll see you this week.